And she says, grandpa, mm-hmm. don't step on the cracks in the sidewalk because you'll break your mother, mother's back. And he started laughing and he's like, well, honey, he's like, my mom has been gone for a while. So it won't break her back. She goes, well, she could be a baby right now in her next life. And it's really not nice <laughs> to break babies' backs either. So I just don't think you should step on cracks. Is that oh cool? Oh my gosh. Like, looked at me. I'm like, I give her options. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today we are talking all things motherhood, generational change, empowered women, lots of great stuff today with our guest, Jeanette Schneider. We... We're really loving this conversation. As you know, we're, of course, huge advocates of women sharing their voice, stepping into their power. And this conversation is really needed. And I think Jeanette did a wonderful job of really balancing like the patriarchy and feminism and corporate life and motherhood and generational beliefs and just really opening up the conversation to how we can dig into some of these things and find what our true voice is and what we believe in this world. So it's a great one. And we really hope that you guys enjoy it. Definitely. A little bit about Jeanette before we get started. So she spent 23 years in finance and just recently hung up her hat from that executive role. We'll talk about that a little more in the episode. She's now the president and CEO of Live Media, as well as an author and a speaker. So we talk about the things that she's learned through her speaking experiences, a lot of which form the wonderful content found in her book. There's just so much that she's doing out there in this space that is to be admired. And we're really excited to share her message with you. All right, guys. But before we hop into this episode, just a reminder that you can also catch up with us on Instagram at Finding Your Shine Podcast. We post there throughout the week. And you can also catch up with us in our own lives with intuitive eating as far as Liz goes and hormone coaching as far as I go on our personal Instagrams at Liz Garster and at Nourished with Nina. We'd love to catch up with you there. All right. Well, let's get into this episode with Jeanette. So thank you so much, Jeanette, for coming on the podcast today. I know we're going to touch on a lot of topics with just like women's advocacy and sharing your voice and all of the projects you have going on. But before we dive into all of that, how you quit your corporate job in, Mm -hmm. was it finances? Yes. Finance. Yeah. And now you're doing this work. So how did you get from the corporate life to what you're doing now? Oh, that's such a messy story, (laughs) but it, it's funny. I knew probably going into corporate life, that's not what I wanted, right? So like mm-hmm. our lives take us on these like really funny turns and and different adventures. And I'm really glad that I had that experience. I worked in finance. I was working with wealthy individuals doing investment management. And it was a great experience. But I was also in like a heavily male-dominated industry. And so I started writing. I've been writing forever. There was always that kind of creative side of myself. I was writing for magazines, um, for my community. And when I had my daughter and I went back to a male-dominated industry, 
all of a sudden I was like, if I'm going to write and use my voice, it has to be for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing like more specific articles and kind of creating more content around why it's important to empower women and girls, why it's important for them to be in positions of leadership in corporate America, on boards, wherever that may be. And um, it became a book, like not accidentally, but kind of how things organically happen in life. MGM Resorts uh, in Las Vegas, where I live, saw a lot of the content I was putting online and they loved it. And they said, will you come and do a workshop for us? at our women's leadership conference. And I was like, yeah, that would be amazing. They said awesome. the contact was for 75 minutes. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about for 75 minutes. So I feel I, like for your first one too, like they were just reaching out like, to you. You're like, oh my God, okay, we're doing so this. Much like, <laughs> yeah. So much pressure. And they, I ended up creating this really great workshop. Um, long story short, um, it took over an hour for people, for me to get out of the room after the event because people wow. were coming up and talking to me about the content because it was so important to them. And that became my book. And then after the book came out, I was like, I don't really want to live in corporate America anymore. Like, <laughs> You're I like, this like, sucks. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I, have an, I have a purpose over here. Um, so it kind of gave me the opportunity. Sometimes I wonder mm. because I'm also in finance myself. So I understand a hundred percent where what that world is like. And sometimes I wonder, yes. maybe this is like too conspiracy theory of me, but sometimes I wonder, I'm like, do they... They, the the old men that run the show most of the time, um, I'm <laughs> yes. like, do they make it so, like the energy there is so masculine? I'm like, is that on purpose so that we like get out? Because I I have the same struggle. I'm like, my feminine creative side, it has like nowhere to go a lot of times when I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I realized I wanted to see change before my daughter got to the workplace because yeah. I don't think they do it purposely. I think it's who they are. We have just a patriarchal system of power. And for some reason, finance has really just glommed onto that. And the good old boy network, money is everything. Like, let's think about it. It, it rules the world in so mm-hmm. many ways, whether good or bad. And the, the closer men get to money, the more that they associate their power with money. And I think it's just... For me, it got to the point where I was like, I don't want my daughter to enter the workforce and have to masculinize herself like I had to for most of my career so that they would listen to me. Because women a lot of times have two options when they're moving into a heavy, heavily male-dominated career. They either masculinize or sexualize. And that mm. beautiful, nurturing person that you are, that you wish that you could be, starts to kind of shift in one or the other direction. Because showing up as your full, nurturing, amazing, creative self there's no room for that person, right? Mm-hmm. So, And I that think, is very feminine energy. That energy is... Super. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. This reminds me a lot because I always bring everything back to hormonal health, but our bodies, like women's bodies are struggling. I mean, we're seeing it now, I think more than ever. There's so many hormone imbalances. Anxiety is skyrocketing. Um, our adrenal glands are shot. Thyroid issues, like infertility. And... What, what I keep coming back to is that we're really working our body, like you said, in this like masculine energy that it just, it wasn't made for. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's like this really hard choice that women have to make between do I honor my body or do I honor my career? Yeah. And I, have you seen that that's another factor? Not in, I mean, in addition to just like your mental health, but it's just your physical health. Like women are struggling. In so many ways. So for for me to have my daughter, I went through five rounds of IVF. So she Mm. is truly a miracle child. And I actually wrote an article about being in boardrooms and talking to these men across the table from me and divorcing myself of my gender and my femininity. 
hiding the track marks on my arms from all of the injections I had yeah. to get in suits so that they didn't know that I was also a woman on the other side of it, right? Like I didn't want them to be aware of the fact that like, oh, I've got a personal life. I want to be a mom because God forbid you want to be a mom. Yeah. And yeah, no, I think that it plays a huge role in it. And I think the other thing that's really hard is a lot of times women have a hard time with being feminine because then men's energy also changes, becomes less about being hard and it more becomes like a, a pursuit. So we kind of have it coming at us from like all angles when it comes to stepping into that kind of divine feminine energy in patriarchal systems. That's why they really have to be exposed. I love what's happening with the Me Too movement. The thing I worry about is that we're moving from a place of sexual harassment to one of gender discrimination. Mm. So a woman doesn't find her place in the middle of all of that, right? Because now we're being seen as, oh, we're going to tell we're weak or we're whatever. No wonder women have a terrible anxiety walking. It's like, where do we win? You know, where's the balance? You know, and that's the really hard thing. It's like, who do I have to show up to be for you today for you to listen to me? When I get home, who do I have to be for my husband? And when I'm with my child, who do I have to be for that person? There's very little space for you to actually show up as your full and present self. Man, that's it's such a challenge. And I think also women tend to be the giver and be the people pleaser. So we're more apt to say, I can be this person for you and I can be this person for you and for you. And then like what I've seen in the own clients that I work with, it's like they don't really remember who they are, you know, because they've been so many different people for so long. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that's one of the things that I, I talk about in my book, how we have to get to that place of that divine feminine. It does require a lot of our environments to change. And I think that's happening naturally. And people, Mm -hmm. this isn't a very popular... um, I actually kind of got a talking to from my firm when I was still with my firm because I made a comment. I thought it was kind of funny. I just like, the old white man has to die off. And she's (laughs) like, what are you doing? You can't talk like that. But what I was trying to say is like that patriarchal system of power is kind of moving out of power, right? And you have these younger... I love millennials. I love millennials because they come to the table with a very different mindset and it's a lot more inclusive. And so I think over time, what you're going to see is we're going to see this transition to a more inclusive environment that's happening generationally. And yes, these movements movements have something to do with it, but I think it's also kind of just generationally going to slowly start to wean itself out. That's at least... My hope, and then you have people like us who get on, you know, podcasts and yeah. talk about it, and stages and talk about it, and write books about it um, to bring awareness. Now, I see. It. How have you? So you mentioned your daughter, and like, kind of alluded to like the world that this that we can build for even younger than millennials. You know, people like your daughter, Gen Z. Sure. Mm-hmm. How has your transition and your work? Like, what has it taught you about? how we're raising our girls or what we should be doing to raise our girls in this new kind of less patriarchal world we're hoping to build. I think for me, it's really also unhooking mom from our old messaging. And that's Mm. one of the key messages um, from my book is a lot of times, yeah, you can talk about the guys, but we're bought into the social programming. We're bought into the advertising. We've already bought into the cultural and religious belief systems, right? So whether or not we believe it, we're also kind of espousing some of these old beliefs when we're talking to our children as we're raising our children. So the first thing that I do is kind of say, take a step back and really pull out some of your own beliefs. Like, what do you believe about yourself? I I talk about writing love letters to your younger self and really getting into the idea of like, 
there are things that you've believed about yourself since the time you were a child that you don't realize have actually colored your entire life. Yeah. Let's pull them out before we transfer them onto daughter and let's have purposeful conversation and conscientious messaging so that they're walking into situations without all of our old stuff and we're not passing down things not even realizing we're doing it. So does your book then have, like you said, writing love letters to yourself? Does it then give also other ways to get to that place of like uncovering your false beliefs and your stories? Because I think that that's a lot. I mean, people conceptualize, I, they get it kind of. They're like, I get that. Right. But right. then actually doing the dirty it's work. Hard. Oh, yeah. it's hard. And then, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. And I think we really subconsciously a lot of mothers, like they don't know that they have all that like baggage. And so they don't mean to pass it off. So like, how do we spread the awareness? And then how do we actually learn how to do the dirty work and get clear? So the end of each section of my book is called do the work because you have to do it, right? You have to do it. And so like, you know, the love letters is really beautiful because it helps you with that kind of base kind of programming belief, right? But then you also, I do have... I never say that I'm like a guru or a teacher or a coach. What I do is I ask you really great questions mm-hmm. for you. To That's then- a coach. <laughs> well, you're like, yeah, it's like, it's really reflect. I don't have your yeah. answers. How's that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think it's so much about sitting down and, and being offered kind of some questions to kind of go deep within and understand. So like some of them have to do like, do you actually believe in the religion of your childhood? Mm. The things mm. that you've said and that you've believed, are they just wrote or do you believe them today? Oh, that's so um, good. Well, I mean, think about it too, because like my daughter, her best friend has two dads. And when I was a child, I was not raised with the understanding of what it was like to live in a anything other than a heterosexual right. world, right? Yeah. My daughter's known nothing different. So I have to make sure that my belief system that I learned, so my daughter asks me questions, I'm not preaching old mm-hmm. religious rhetoric. I'm actually like, okay, like how do I feel about this? And how can I talk to her in a way that's conscious and aware of the world that we live in today? And I think it's so important for you to kind of clean up your own house, right? Yeah. So it's doing that work. And I I walk people through actual exercises where it's understanding what you believe um, about your body. Because a lot of times mom's internal... I oh my gosh, that's a huge one. Oh my gosh. Well, it's there's such a correlation with the way mom feels about her body and dad talk to her about her mm. body and a little girl's self-esteem and self-talk. Mm. So you have to really understand those things before you unconsciously even have conversations with your girlfriends. Like we have a tendency to be like, oh, my thighs are so fat, my yep. hair is so whatever. And my friend next to us is like, oh my God, but my belly looks like this. And we were like, you think we're relating? Our kids are hearing it, yeah. right? So, yeah. We have to be super conscientious about the way we're expressing our own beliefs about ourselves when little ears are, are in the way. I also think it's important that that young girls see women connecting over things that are not that. Like not only body mm-hmm. image, but like that they're not connecting over gossiping, that they're not connecting over like all the ways that we kind of can find connection in more of a low vibe way than a high vibe way. Right. Yeah, because let's be honest, it's like we all like to be part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And the way I think that many of us were a part of the tribe growing up is by gossiping and feeling mm-hmm. like we had something in common. And or complaining I think humans or whatever. tend to love to, yeah. yeah, we tend to go to the negative because everybody's like, oh, I've had a hard day at work. Oh, so have I. And this sucks. And this happened with my family and me too. And then we yeah. feel, or like, have you heard about this person? Because it makes you feel better about yourself. But it, I also think it's interesting. You said like, we need to teach our daughters. I think it's interesting to like flip it and think of like everything you got programmed, like you mm-hmm. were saying, like we were mm-hmm. the young girl ones. So yeah. Like what did our moms pass down to us subconsciously that their mom passed down to them? And like, how many generations do we have to break 
the yeah. chain from. And I love that you said that you, the millennials, I mean, because we're millennials, right, yeah. Liz? That's we're us. old millennials, technically. <laughs> yeah, we're like the older, because we're I'm 30. <laughs> what is like millennial I age? Think, I don't even I know. Late 30s right now. Late 30s? They, they go up to oh, late 30s right shit, maybe now. Maybe we're yeah. so we're like, yeah, because we're 30. No. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. You guys are so... Oh, we're super oh, yeah. millennials. See, I don't, yeah, I, don't, um, <laughs> I see like 24 and 25-year-olds on Instagram and I'm like, I'm so old. <laughs> but, I, but I was going to say that I really feel that our generation is changing that. Like they're... Because we're more open about the conversations. And it seems like my mom's generation is the one where it doesn't always compute almost. <laughs> like it, it's like you can kind of bring it into their awareness and they kind of get it, but it also it's not like translating. Have you have you seen that like I have? Yeah, I think because I've had a lot of, uh, surprisingly when I speak, sometimes when the it's when it's a certain audience, especially baby boomer. Uh-huh. Yeah, baby boomer. They're kind of annoyed with me a little bit. Like, yeah. they're like I'm, I'm like the new feminist, right? I'm yeah. like the Gloria Steinem that's like irritating them <laughs> kind of thing. And it's so funny because I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So like, it, there's also kind of an awareness of their generation, right? And that there's some things that you just didn't talk about or they just were the way they were. Yeah, right? and that's what I see. Generation Gen X and millennials are more like, no, 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 no. We're going to kind of pop that, and we're going to change the way that we look at the world and question it a little bit more. I think millennials have gotten dirty. I think um, into <laughs> the work, dirty into yeah. the work. I think Gen Z is going to completely just. I mean, they're going to pull it together because it's the only generation that's never known a time without technology. Before they are even old enough to vote, they know what global concerns and issues mm-hmm. are. Um, I didn't know those things and I had to learn them myself until I was, you know, much older. Um, I think that it's it's a shift in consciousness. I mean, it's a shift in conversation and it's what they will accept. And I think a lot of them have grown up watching us mess everything up, mm-hmm. right? They've watched the generations of, of, before them go to war and create famine and create all kinds of really terrible things, lawsuits and divorce and death. And I think they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take this on. Thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I really want this to be different. So I think there's just a new conversation that is is opening eyes. How can we be more as millennials and what you have seen working with, you know, speaking to baby boomers or like older generations? Mm-hmm. How can we? Like flipping that, how can we bridge the gap and like, I don't want to say bring them to our level of awareness of these things, but like, how can we have shared conversations so it's less us versus them sometimes? I think it really, it's within you, right? It's you kind of, um, whenever we're on a kind of a path, path. We're on it alone in so many ways, right? And so I think it's really kind of flipping the way you're handling your own messaging and bringing up your child. And it's going to influence the people around you over time. What I've seen is less me being up on a soapbox being like, this is the way Uh things should be. And it's the way I'm raising my daughter and the way I'm living a very healthy life and the friendships and the people I bring around me, it's almost like it becomes an influence in a way of living and a standard of living as opposed to telling someone that they're doing it wrong or that they need to open their eyes. I just think it's kind of like you got to clean up your own house first type of thing. And then people are like, ooh, what weed killer did you right. just do? <laughs> oh, your poker is so 
party, well, you know? Let's even take that back to weight loss for a second. Like we do not promote anything that has to do with like weight loss or dieting. But if you think about it, how many women, they like see that somebody's lost a ton of weight and they're like, but wait a second, how mm-hmm. did you do that? As opposed to somebody being like, so th- it's like that sort of thing. Like, oh, they seem like things are going really well or look yeah. at their energy. It's so positive. Comparing. We're Thank always you. looking to what other people yeah. are doing oh, and being right. like, does my love, does my reality equal their reality? And sometimes I feel like social media makes that hard, but in person, it's a little, yeah. it's kind of hard to fake that. So it's a little more contagious. And you can see, I feel like you can tell just by somebody's energy and the way that they're, they're not just talking the talk, they're walking the walk. And then you get mm-hmm. curious and you exactly. dive in. I mean, I guess that's how I got into this line of work because I started seeing other people. I was like, oh, if they can do it, then I can do it. Or what? And then I started reading self help books. That was like my gateway. It was like a self help book. And then it's I dove into like following people on Instagram and then starting the podcast and then talking to like really cool people. And then you start to internalize all the information and start living it yourself. And then it just keeps building. Yeah. And I think that's for me, the way it's been, because especially, you know, I went through, I went through a tough time that kind of changed my life and, and, and kind of immersed me in self-help, even though like, I probably was like, <laughs> it was like one of those moments where it's like, I was going through a divorce. I just gone through IVF, had my miracle mm-hmm. child. My marriage is falling apart. I had some stuff going on at work. And I was just in one of those like soul growth moments where it's like, I either have to fix myself and the way I'm relating to the world and now I'm responsible for this little girl and I want to make mm. the world a better place for her too. Because I went back to work and one of the first things one of the people said to me was like, how is the firm going to make all the revenue up that we we lost while you were gone? And I was okay, like, thanks. Great. I oh my God, you know, like, so like all of these things were happening. So I was getting all these old messages, all of, you know, my relationship was failing. It was making me question internally. And that's exactly what I did. You start immersing yourself and pulling at the string. And slowly over time, those things become the way you relate and it offers you a toolbox, I think. I feel like self-development and all these podcasts and all of these things offer women a toolbox in order to better manage their stress in their lives, create boundaries and advocate for themselves. I almost I I challenge and I kind of have been playing with this idea that self-development is for social change. Self-development, yes, it helps you, but a lot of people won't give themselves permission to be better. Yeah. I can tell you that if you're a better human and you raise a more conscious child and you guys have a better pay it for if you can create social change because of the influence that you offer in the world and the workplace and in the children that are gonna become the next leaders, that's huge. It's a different Mm -hmm. shift. It's not like I'm gonna pick up a self-help book to see if I can get over my breakup. That's I'm going to reprogram myself because I don't want the next two generations to look like this. Well, that's such a powerful way to look at it. The one thing I always worry about with self-help and this coming from someone who has like zero fiction on her bookshelf, right? Like no, like none (laughs) on the bookshelf. (laughs) How do we find the line between... I always worry with self-help and me as a recovering perfectionist. I always worry that like I start down this road and I'll like be working on something like my relationship with money or my relationship with my body or something. And then... I worry that it gets to the point where I'm always going to be searching and never satisfied. I don't know if either Mm -hmm. of you have experiences with that, but like just this constant quest for betterment without any quote unquote end. I don't think it ends. And I hate to, I hate to to (laughs) say that because what I've learned is that it's, it's a continual growth. You think that you've like really like anteed up in life and you're like, I've got this. And then a new challenge comes And like, I wrote my book and I was like, I have arrived. Like Mm. the universe was like, oh yeah, you think you're an expert? Let me give you a couple of challenges. 
is. And I, I don't know how many conversations I've had with friends where they're like, didn't you just write about this? I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, I need it myself. <laughs> I need to live it within my own life. And yeah. I feel like the one thing that I will say is that the challenges are easier for you to get through. Yes. You have a better toolbox. You have a better tribe of people around you. And I wouldn't want to live any other way. Like I, I never want to get to a place where I feel like I'm done and I'm good. And I'm like, I'm here and you guys are all, you know, like, welcome to my mountaintop. I never mm-hmm. want to get to that yeah. place. I always want to have some aspiration of betterment, enlightenment, excitement, a new opportunity, a new relationship. I think my curiosity and excitement for what could come next, just because like, I can't believe how my life has unfolded mm-hmm. since I've taken this path, you know, from laying on my bedroom floor, bawling my eyes out because my husband's leaving, my child has colic, you know, I'm, mm. I've got all these things. And then being like, you know what? I'm in front of my life now. It's a much different vantage mm-hmm. point. Wow. I have this very spiritual view that we're here for a purpose, you know, like we're here to learn. That's why we came here. So there has to be challenges or else we're not going to learn whatever lesson we came here in this lifetime to to learn. And when it comes to self-help, like, yeah, what got me into self, self-help was obviously like I was at this really low point with my anxiety and my hormonal health that I like had to find something or I was just going to hit rock bottom. But then it was exactly what you said, where then it was like the more I kept learning, I was like, I'm... I'm doing something with this information and I'm like spreading this awareness and I'm helping other people and I'm helping myself. And then I love that like when something happens, like you have your toolbox, like it's, everybody needs different things. So in my mind, it's like a podcast, self-help, whoever you're following, it's like you have a hundred different tools that you can use when inevitably the universe throws you another lesson that you have to push through. Yeah, it's it's funny to me because I, um, I say I find my answers on my yoga mat, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many times where like, and I've got all of my little practices. I meditate, I do all of these things. But when I get quiet with myself and I get to my yoga mat or I have a really great walk outside or I am doing cardio and listening to a podcast and walk out of the gym, like feeling so excited because now I have a new idea. I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted because grabbing a cigarette or going to get a drink with a girlfriend or, you know, numbing yourself because Mm -hmm. you can't, deal with just even decision-making, right? Decisions are hard, right? Anxiety is a thing. Like I've suffered with anxiety for most of my life. And all of these things have gotten me to the point where I no longer have panic attacks. As long as I'm Mm. creating these daily practices, I'm good. And I think, I just think it's such a gift. So like when I see people who just are kind of in this vicious little cycle, I'm like, I can't wait for you to find it. Sometimes when you find it, it's that breaking Mm -hmm. point, right? Yeah. You have this breaking open moment where you're like, I got to get better because this isn't, this isn't fun and it hurts and your body hurts and you're tired and it's just, it's no way to live. Do you think people need to get to sort of that rock bottom point? Cause I, I hear that there's different levels. Like not everybody needs to hit rock bottom, but some people like literally do in order for them to be like, shit, I have to change something. I have a couple of friends where I, I keep hoping, I'm like, is this the new rock bottom? <laughs> I, like, I feel you. Oh, I feel <laughs> you. Yeah. Like, what do I do to get you to hit the, the yeah. bottom bottom because this feels like a new bottom. Um, and you know, you have some of those friends that you've been friends with forever and there's history and you love them and they just are not on the same journey with you, but you love them because you've been friends with them for so long. Yeah. And then I have my, my tribe of friends that are my more active friends, the ones who are like with me on the journey and we are doing all of the work together and we're super supportive. I feel like everyone has their own kind of path in place. It takes some mm-hmm. people, they're just kind of like, hey, I don't feel this, I'm mm-hmm. tired. And, and they get there faster. There's some people who, who I think what it is, is they don't want to 
pull out the scab or their pain is yeah. very, very deep. So those are my friends who I've seen hit multiple bottoms where I'm kind of like, let's, let's find this one. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, ugh. do you say anything? Yeah. That's my struggle. Like, We've talked about this, I think, Liz, on like the last yeah, podcast I was thinking, episode, actually. Like, and she was like, why do you feel like you need to say something? What does that mean about you? And I was like, stop. I just like, <laughs> I get like this, uh, what did I say in like the last podcast? Like this welling in my chest where I'm just like, oh, I just know so many things that can help, but I don't know how to get through because you do have to find it on your own. Yeah. I think it depends on the person. And I have really annoyed one of my girlfriends to a new level to where we just don't even talk about it. And mm. to the point where I'm like, I'll ask her, what do you need from me today? Do you need me to listen? Do you need me to make any recommendations? Because I know that there's a fine level and there's such, it's almost like a familial uh-huh. history yeah. that it, we're, we're bonded, right? And, but I know that I can't get through to her. And I'm just like, I can offer you tools when you're ready, but I'm going to stop offering. And I, a lot of times I do something like that where I'm just like, hey, just what do you need from me today? There are other people where I'm like, just let me know if you want any, like I can give you a list of books or podcasts if you're ever interested. And I don't kind of like try to take mm-hmm. over their life. I don't try to be their life coach. Yeah. Because I also don't want to expend so much emotional energy that you I... You only have so much yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I become the boy that's holding them up and that I'm the person they're texting all the time and yeah. things like that because they're not finding the foundation themselves. Yeah. But if I'm like, hey, I've got some ideas for you, things that helped me. I'll give you some ideas. And then I send them to podcasts and, and self-help books and retreats and conferences. But there's a lot of people who will enjoy taking your time and your energy and never doing anything with it. So for me, mm. I have to be like, okay, where's that fine balance? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Who just wrote a book about that? Christine Northrup? It's like vampire something. Um, oh, have you yeah, heard of it? Yeah. I know what? exactly what you're talking about. Emotional vampires or mm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just people that will continually just suck your energy. Oh, I need to read until this book. There's no more. She's also fantastic in general, Liz, like just women's health advocate. Yeah. So yeah. she's a good one. No, it's so true. I think, I think it's like you have to also, like, you can be full of light and excitement, but you also have to recognize that at some point in time, they got to they gotta find it on their own. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think I have, I struggle with that a little bit because I'm like, mm-hmm. I've always been the teacher. Like I taught for seven years and now I'm a coach. And so I feel like some weird part of me is like, I need to help. Or like, if I don't help, then I'm not doing my job. I don't know right. why that's what I have, but. Yeah. But I like and that. Like, I mean, and that's definitely a self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of like, what is it in me that makes me feel that yeah. I need to do this in order to be validated, right? Right. Yeah. So sometimes I think that's one of the most interesting things too, is like, sometimes we feel like we need to help someone and they're really showing us something within ourselves. They're helping you. They're like, hey, by the way. Yeah. Mm. I've had a couple of instances like that where I'm like, I'm the, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I was supposed to just learn a lesson, wasn't I? Yeah. But if I remind myself that everybody's here for their own reason and they're on their own path, that takes the heat off. So I just got to keep reminding myself, I guess that's my little mantra. Like yeah. I don't need to save the world or something. But in addition to your book, like what other, you have other offerings and services that help women. And I know you, you speak and do all these podcasts, things. podcast, which like, is our favorite platform right. of all of them, you know. Yes. <laughs> What's your next favorite platform for spreading so, the good word? I have to tell you, podcasting for me is so much fun. I just oh, I we think so too. <laughs> so much fun. And I have these really great conversations and it's a really way, great way to get your stuff out there. I just absolutely adore it. I'm actually right now working on a project. It's a wellness company that will provide all kinds of resources. So it's for those people who don't really kind of 
know where to go. It's providing them with some tools. So mm. we're playing with the platform right now, um, whether that's going to be web-based or... Um, I definitely want to do live events mm-hmm. because I feel when you bring women together in immersive experiences, that's where your lives actually... That's like if you could put some women together for three straight days, and if they're not changed or emotionally raw by the end, like if there's not some kind of shift, I, I've never seen that happen. Um, we're we went to a yoga retreat so many like tears. a year ago, and the yes. two of us like did not expect. Like all of us became such good friends after that yes. yoga retreat. It was two days, so many tears. Like it just happens. Like you put a bunch of women together, and all of a sudden it's like let's be vulnerable and sh- and release all of our blockages yeah. in two days. Well, and it's the intention of it, right? So it's yeah. the intention. So. We, we podcast and write books and I'm creating this kind of, uh, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, it ends up being an app or a web-based platform where people can go and get tools. But when you bring women together, it's that's where I feel like so much healing. And if you look back over the span of history, women would come together in storytelling and raising yeah. children and building communities. This is how we commune and kind of lift one another up. And I feel like if you can get women staring face to face and all the pretenses are left at the door, they're no longer having to worry about kids or husband. And they, for once, can really be focused on mm-hmm. what's going on within them and not feel like the woman across from them is going to steal their job, going to steal their husband. You know, you're coming from a place of such purity so true. that I just think huge change can, can come from those events. Wow. I want to ask a little bit more just about motherhood in general. Tina's so into the motherhood questions. I am. I am. Well, I mean, we know what's on the brain, I guess. But just like (laughs) even talking with um, like masculine energy, feminine energy, corporate world, motherhood. How did, so did you quit your job after having your daughter? So did you, or did you experience like a lot of the work in motherhood life at the same time? No. So I actually only left corporate America recently. So um, I kind of made, yeah, I actually wrote the book while I was still working. I was traveling all over the country. Um, It was insane. So five years I spent after my divorce, traveling, being a co-parenting mother and writing the book, speaking on the things I love. Plus it was a lot to kind of, I don't like the word balance. I prefer the word presence. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to be present present in each situation. And I also learned that some things don't really deserve my time. I had to be very protective mm-hmm. of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I left corporate America in, I think, February. They they kept me... They were very kind. They actually kept me on payroll until just last month. They were like, nice. you've been with us for so long. Like, we're going to take care of you. I have a Cinderella story when it comes to the way I exited corporate America and moved in. But my daughter, what's really interesting is that she used to come with me to the office. Mm. And I love love that she got to see me be kind of this executive and I had a staff and she got to see mom in action and she knew what I did and she thought it was really, you know, cool. And then after I left and I started working from home, I would have more opportunities to take her to school, to pick her up from the gate instead of safe key afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because now I can be more present. And then uh, like a month ago, I I had to go for some meetings on some of the projects I'm working on in LA. And I was like, oh, isn't it funny that I haven't had to travel for a while and I'm going to be leaving for you know three days. And she stopped and she got rigid and she looked at me and she goes, please don't make it the way it was again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she, it really affected her how I traveled so much while mm-hmm. she was 
while she was little. And so it's really been interesting to kind of see this shift in how I get to kind of manage my day and be more present mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, I working motherhood, it's 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 an uphill battle in a yeah. lot of ways. But I also believe that it builds really strong, empowered little girls right. when they see their mothers kind of take those center stage roles. Mm-hmm. I think that like sometimes working mothers can really get the heat. Like, oh, because then you, because th- people will say like, like, that's not how it used to be done. Yeah, you get both sides. I mean, you get the, why aren't you giving enough to your job? And then you get the, why aren't you giving enough to your child? Yeah, it's like, we never catch a break. I, I got the, the conversation several times. So like I would get the conversation from my ex-husband that was like, your priorities are, are screwed, right? Because you're traveling so much for work. You need to be here for, for your child. And from work, I got your priorities are mm. screwed. You have a really good income and a really great job. You can afford a nanny. Why are you, you, know, why are you doing yeah. this? And so it was like, I could never 100% win. And I... I don't think that the way the systems are set up right now, like you can expect to. We just have to really change dialogue around the way we look at women and the way they show up in life. We still expect them to not want to have it all. And I've Mm -hmm. heard talks from older baby boomer executive women who said, you can't have it all. I'm sorry. Like I wasn't there for my children because I was there for my career. And then you have people today who's like, let's redefine what all means. And then you have other people who are like, I can have everything I want. Yeah, it's I so much. Like, I don't think there's an answer. I don't yeah. think that there's an answer. I think that you you build a life that works for you and your family and you learn how not to listen to the noise. Well, you, I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Because when we go into comparison mode, like for example, we can think, well, that woman's doing this. She has four kids. She's traveling here. She's doing that. And then you're like, why don't, why can't my adrenals keep up with that? Or why are like, why is my kid doing this? And the, their kids aren't. And it's like, you play this game, but you don't realize that like, first of all, every single woman's body is different and can handle something different. Every kid is different. Every family is different. Every financial yeah, situation is different. you don't know what kind of they have either like in per- yeah. like personal help people or financial or like you don't know what's right. maybe they're doing all that but they're also having like a bottle of wine a day like you don't know yeah you never know what's going on well and i think what we have to do as a society at some point in time is just be like you're doing you're you're all doing the best you can yeah, you for know sure. like at some point in time and i mean we compare ourselves in all manner of ways and i feel like if you get into kind of the way it all started women used to come together in community right yeah and then, when uh, after the industrial revolution, they wanted to bring more women back into the home because they had taken the jobs away from the men. And they are like, oh, you need to have this beautiful face cream. You need to have this wonderful Frigidaire. You need to have whatever it was. Let's go back to Mad Men. Did anybody watch (laughs) Mad Men? That's, I I was obsessed with Mad Men, but that's exactly what I I was like. No wonder gals are the way they are. Like, look at Mad Men. (laughs) We compete with each other for men, jobs, security. I mean, we have been pitted against each other. So no wonder we can't like on each other. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like no wonder we look at the next woman and say, because we have been put in a comparison model for the acceptance and approval of the patriarchal kind of system of power. And so like part of what I did when I worked in corporate America and finance, I worked with wealthy individuals, but I also studied um, social impact investing, which included gender lens. So it was how the world looks if we actually put money into women, if we create positions for them, if they're making decisions on board, if they're doing all this stuff, we need them at the table. So I don't think any man today with all of the data that's coming out will say, oh no, women should be back in homes. They just need to re 
configure the way uh, the work kind of environment looks um, for women to have a seat at the table. I love these pictures coming out of these like women who are like on Senate committees holding like breastfeeding their babies and other yeah, countries. Yeah, oh my like, gosh, I love oh, it. Sister. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I think you're right. We just have to like deconstruct what we've learned or like realize why we got to the point we got mm-hmm. to. Like even when you were talking about like after the industrial revolution and all that, it's like, well, let's talk about why we got here. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of that goes back to even like with religious t- conversations, it's like, well, let's remember like why some of this started or like where you got these ideas from and like why they don't always make sense in the present anymore. So I love that idea. I'm curious yeah. with your book being called Lore and the explanation you know that you have of that as a noun and kind of what we've talked about with women and things being passed down and that like feminine energy and how it manifests in our life, both in the past and the present. Talk to me more about Lore and how just more about that and the communities of women that you envision for the future. So Laura, for me, it was very personal um, because I specifically remember conversations I had with my grandmother before she passed. And it was this passing down of generational knowledge, right? And she said, you know, we had this beautiful conversation and she asked me about my daughter and she asked me about my marriage and she asked me about a couple of things. She just needed to make sure I was good before she left. And she said, you don't worry about the big things. They take care of themselves. You worry about mm-hmm. the little things and you love each other every day. And I was just like, wow, like we have these beautiful kind of transition of, of knowledge generationally, especially. And I've had three different situations where I got to be with someone who was elderly right before they passed and they shared some type of knowledge with me that was like my grandfather. He was this religious leader and he was like, they're just men. Don't worry mm-hmm. about all the stuff that I raised you to believe. They're just men. Find your own way. And I'm like, what? You've just completely rocked everything that, that I actually ever gave do. me. That actually gave me goosebumps because I think we do hold like hold so much like religious um, leaders on a pedestal, or we hold like doctors on a pedestal, like all these people. There's and it's people. like, find your own way. Yeah, like use the use them for what they what you need to get from them. Right. But find your own path. Yeah. No, and it was great. And then I had another um, gentleman who was a client and he was like a grandfather to me and he had built riches, right? And he said, the people that are around your bed when you're dying are the people you should love while you're living. Because mm-hmm. at the end of his life, who was next to him in bed, but his financial advisor, when he was, you know, I'm next to his deathbed. And wow. he's like, I missed out on my kids' plays. They hate me. I did this. I did that because I was building this stuff. And you're next to me. <laughs> like, this is the person. And he didn't say it in a mean oh. way, but he said, like, please don't do what I did. Yeah. So to me, lore really means like, not just the, there's there's two ways of looking at it, right? There's the, the programmed BS that we have. We're passing it down every day. But at the end of our lives, for some reason, we get super clear on the lore that we should have passed down, right? We get super clear on the fact that none of this stuff matters. And that all of these these things that we taught our children really were just constructs to keep everyone safe. That's all that they really were. And I think to me that that was such a beautiful thing, like how we really need to be conscientious of the things that we're passing down generationally. As far as the way I look at women, I really want to help the next generation. And I feel like the only way I'm going to do that is by helping women today, their mothers start to deprogram and almost like de-escalate the situation, right? 
We're with sense. you. I feel like right? we're literally on the same path. Like that is my life's work. It's yeah. like, how can I influence women yeah. to like keep influencing the next generation? Well, it's so important to me because I feel like we we already are very aware of the fact that there is a disconnect between us and the generation before us. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we don't realize that we're just vomiting this stuff out because it's just the way it was, right? And I think if we can get women to a place where they're looking at themselves, their messaging, the way they show up in the world, their friendships, their relationships, how those things all kind of make them a whole human being so they can be the best human being they possibly can. They're also going to pass that influence, that messaging onto the next generation of children who are going to have the ability to make problem-solving decisions. They're going to be able to understand and think critically. They're going to be able to ask questions. Like my daughter, my, my dad, he laughs because my daughter, she, she, we're not in, of any religion. And How I was old reading, is she, by the way? She's eight. Okay. She's eight. And we were walking down the street one day and I've explained to her that your beliefs are in your heart. And what religion is, is religion is like a wrapper. And so it takes kind of different beliefs and it puts them into a wrapper. And it says, would you like this kind of this belief system Mm -hmm. and that there's nothing wrong with it. And it's really beautiful, but you have to make sure that your heart resonates with the things Mm -hmm. in the wrapper. And so we had this conversation and she went to a Catholic school for a little while and um, it was just a good school. And she came home and she was like, mommy, she asked me about abortion at age five. Oh my God. Holy crap. And, and same sex couples at age five. And I was like, So I, I finally said to her, I said, talk to me about how it feels in your heart when you hear those things. She said, they do not feel right. I said, then that is your Isn't belief. that incredible that a five-year-old- I just felt like no. all the rage, like my blood just went like, all the way mm. on me. My body, <laughs> my body is legitimately tingling. Like when you said that, it's like, I want everybody in the entire world to hear that because that just shows you right there how it's learned, right? Oh, like yeah. a five-year-old, just by purely asking her that question, how does that make you feel? A five-year-old can say, that doesn't make me feel good. I want everybody to love each other or whatever the case may be. Like, that's your answer right there. Yeah. Well, and that's why I was like, that's your belief. So you you hold those beliefs in your heart and those aren't things that I tell you, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of times where she's like, is this right or is this wrong? I'm like, well, let's talk about it and we'll go through it. And there's some things that she knows, of course, that just make sense or are wrong. Um, But my, my dad was laughing one time because, you know, she asked me about like, where we go when we die and stuff like that. I'm like, well, some people believe this. I'll tell you what feels good to me. You can make up your own, like you can decide on your own over time. And, um, we were walking down the street, we were visiting him in Florida and we were walking to our restaurant from the parking garage and he stepped on the cracks in the sidewalk. And she says, grandma, Mm -hmm. don't step on the cracks in the sidewalk because you'll break your mother, mother's back. And he started laughing and he's like, well, honey, he's like, my mom has been gone for a while. So it won't break her back. She goes, well, she could be a baby right now in her next life. And it's really not nice <laughs> to break babies' backs either. So I just don't think you should step on cracks. Is that oh cool? Oh my gosh. She like looked at me and like, I give her options. She has Yeah. Options. Like the first thing that came into my head, like, I feel like if my husband would have been listening to this, he would have been like, oh, that's our future kid, right? Like <laughs> mine's going to be like, well, in a past life, I think <laughs> like just like talking all this, the spirits that walked into my, like she'll have her yeah. like pendulum like at age yeah. six. My like, daughter already said to me, she goes, mommy, I know that you're probably going to die before I die, but will you please wait for me so we can figure out what we're going to do next? Aww. And I was like, yes, 
What oh my gosh. She's I'm so, obsessed. She's so sweet. She's so Maybe sweet. Maybe we should have your daughter on the podcast. She Probably. sounds like very <laughs> wise. Have some really, some really wise, good, like women empowerment conversations with her. I think though the thing is, is like all these kids have this. We just don't give them the opportunity to like stand You're on right. that little platform and ask them questions and let them have their own beliefs. We are like, they're born perfect. And then we just put information, mm-hmm. right? We just, yeah. we don't give other kids, opp- we don't give a lot of children the opportunity to stretch their muscles, both within their heart and within their brain. Yeah. And I think we like to say that like they don't know enough or that they like, cause I even feel like my parents kind of do that to me now as a 30 year old. Like mm-hmm. I was having a conversation recently. Cause when I quit my job, my full-time job, like I remember um, my dad, like very blatantly, like, and he just, he has a good heart, but he was like, this is the worst decision you're making. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know, like make me make my own choices. Like I'm now at the time I was like 29, but whatever. Like I'm a 30 year old woman who's choosing this on my own. And you're telling me that it's the wrong decision for my life. Like maybe it is for your life, but not right. mine. So it's interesting how when, kids are little and they say these things and they have these opinions like we put the kibosh on it yeah and it even happens when you're like how many listeners right now are like man my parents still are trying to tell me what to do yeah no it's fascinating to me like if you just give them the opportunities and the tools like I love that she and I get to have these conversations because I also know oh so we talked about like boys and and crushes and Mm -hmm. things like that because there's this little boy who likes her at school now and so I said well Olivia at some point in time little boys are gonna start talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and they're going to want to hold hands and things like that. So do me a favor before that happens or when it starts to happen, will you let me know? Cause I need to have a conversation with you. She's like about boundaries. Oh my my God. I love her. (laughs) And I was like, yes, about expectations and boundaries, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just because when someone starts to want to touch you or call you something, we need to make sure that you have the right tools and the right words to be able to make sure that you're also like taking care of yourself. And she was like, I got it, mom. Okay, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And this is what it means to like empower the younger generation, you know? And like, so I think like, so have you felt or do you feel like you found this balance between like letting her be her own person and coming up with her own opinions, but also like, teaching her the information she does need to know because we do need to teach them. Like we are wiser than them. We've grown through many years of life. So like, yeah. do you find, have you found that good balance? I know you're probably still work. Everybody's always working on it, but. I think, well, I think it kind of happens naturally if you're open to the kind of a conscientious, conscious parenting, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think it kind of happens naturally because you know what things you need to be like, here's the way things have to work in our world, right? Like these are the things that have to happen. Here's where there's flexibility. I always think of her when I'm trying to decide how to construct her messaging or if we have to have a big conversation. I always try to think of who she's going to be when she's older. I think of her as a mom, think of her as a partner. I think of her as an employer, employee, whatever. And I try to be like, okay, how how is what I'm going to tell her going to construct that version of herself? Like, How is she going to be the best possible woman by what I'm telling her today? And it's really, I think, helped me kind of make sure that I'm, I'm not just this is the way things are, or this is the way things should be. Um, And I also have to say too, that like sometimes when she expresses her boundaries, most parents would look at her and think that she's like being super sassy or she's being defiant. But I also recognize I wasn't allowed to have boundaries as a child. And so I ended up in bad relationships Mm -hmm. that I needed to unwind. I know that when she has her first boyfriend, she's going to be able to say, Hey, don't do that. And not think twice about it. Where like with me, it took me, you know, 
your boyfriends and a husband later. Like, yeah. Hey, this isn't well, working yeah. for me. I love the idea of it even with friends. Because mm-hmm. I know like me and Liz have had that conversation many times where like it's taken us a long time to get to this point where it's like I, I'm i creating this boundary with a friend. And when we're younger, I remember having so much guilt about like this person doesn't really make me feel good anymore, but I feel like I need to be friends with them uh-huh. still. And I think that that's a very strong childhood lesson to learn, just creating boundaries wherever it is in your life. Like when you're eight, it is with friends or like a childhood boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. No, I think it's just, I think it kind of like, once you kind of commit to the idea that sometimes parenting is going to require you to take a pause <laughs> and not just, and, and be like, okay, let me think about how I'm going to handle this. I think it just starts to come naturally because you're living it, right? You're living mm-hmm. it. And I feel like my daughter's concierge, like her life concierge, like my mm-hmm. job is to like guide her and help her so that she's just ready to make really good decisions when she gets to the right places. And then I can trust that she, I think that's the other thing too, is trusting that she has the mental capacity and tools to make good decisions when I'm not there, when something yeah. bad happens. Like if you're away at college, I want to know that you're not going to freak out and do something dumb, but instead be like, okay, I know that I can walk myself through this situation. I, I think one of the... I, I read this quote one time. It really hit me. The devastation of a mother's love is that she is always... She's constantly teaching her child to leave her. Mm. And it's so true because you're, you're, you're teaching your child to leave you to be the best human. And the last thing a mom wants is her child to leave her. Yeah. Right. So it's, I just always was so connected with that because that's how I feel. I'm like just trying to create a, a really purposeful, amazing. That's how my mom, Nina, I think we have not that like, we just have very different moms. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what my mom always says. Cause she'll like, I don't know, she'll hear about kids and their mother relationships and like moms meddling and wanting to like overstep boundaries. And she'll be like, mm-hmm. that's how I know I did a good job is that you don't, you don't come to me like, and need me in that way anymore. Like, I know that you can handle whatever life throws at you and you can get through it. And I'm here to guide you still and like be a sounding board. But I did my job because I was able to let you go. That's about all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think like in my own life, the more that I grew and like kind of opened up my own awareness. It's like, I still go to my mom and I love to talk to her about the things that are going on. But I realize that the way that she does things are very, very different than the way that I do things. And it's okay. And now I don't have to... I used to have a lot of anxiety about whether or not my parents were going to approve of the decisions I made. Like whether that was like moving to a new apartment or like making any sort of decision. And so that's why quitting my job was so huge because that's probably like one of the biggest decisions in their mind that I made. But I realized like the more confidence I built in myself, which is sounds like what you're trying to instill in your daughter. I just yeah. kind of had to learn that on my own in my own way. Um, you still use your parents and value their opinions, but you also feel grounded in like, I know what's best for my life and for me. Yeah, and I think that that's... And I think that's also like, there's a dynamic too, right? There's there's some families that are built on that kind of approval dynamic and mine is not. So it's mm-hmm. it's easy for me to kind of give her this space to be like, well, what do you think about that? Like right now she's been um, tested um, as being profoundly gifted. And so that could mean- Clearly, by the boundaries. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> reincarnation. Yeah. Right? She is, she is, she's Buddha. Um, <laughs> yeah. But she's, you know, that's one of the conversations we've had is like, is kind of saying, Olivia, I, I need to guide you in the best way possible, but I need to understand, you know, what part of that, like we're making a decision now that could like, it's like change the trajectory of your life, the path of your life. 
So do we put you in a school or keep you in a school that helps you with your social and emotional growth? Do we look at schools that are going to help you intellectually, but may not offer you the same opportunities? Mm-hmm. So like right now is a really hard time. And so she's been a part of the decision-making process with me and her dad, which has been really nice. Like the three of us have kind of talked together been like, okay, well, let's like look at all of the options and let's see what's there. And she has a voice in it, which I think we're doing a little bit differently than a lot of probably parents have, especially from my generation. So I'm Gen X, right? So like, I think a lot of decisions were made for the kids and it was time for the yeah. kids to make decisions. We were like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know? and, I feel like I had that. Like, shoot, if I think yeah. about like my freshman year of college, I was like, I just was kind of thrown to the wolf. It's also like a super Italian culture-y thing, I think, yeah. that it's like the parents, like every everybody's yeah. in your business. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the mom, and the mom does everything. Like she right. cooks for you. She cleans for you. You know, like everything. But Right. That's funny because like I haven't had, you know, I was talking to my boyfriend about this because his family is Puerto Rican and they're from the Bronx and they're very like just big energy. Big energy. Yeah, totally. And my family is like, so, I mean, just not the same at all and no attachment to any culture, no attachment to like any kind of identity. And he has this huge kind of, and so it's just kind of funny. It's watching. hard to find the balance there. It's been really interesting and it's like, I love it, but we don't live in the same city with them. So it's like, we get doses Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. It's very sweet. It's just really interesting though, because coming from a place where it's like, I have this like, this no attachment to any type of of culture or there was a belief system, but there was no kind of cultural kind of bias or like expectation. So that's been really interesting for me to watch, especially having written a book about cultural, (laughs) like (laughs) your culture could affect you. And I'm like, my culture didn't, but my religion did. So. Yeah. No. I I was just gonna say like I had my cousin's big Italian wedding this past weekend. I'm jealous of and all I was really the big reminded. Ones you get. Like when I went to yours, I was like, yeah. this is the biggest wedding I've ever been to <laughs> right. by far. And my grandma, my grandma is like a goddess of a matriarch. She's just like amazing. And I was like, had this moment of like, I just love that I came from this. And I love that I came from so much loudness and opinions and everything. But then I was like, but I also love that I live like two hours away now so that I can like have my own space. Like I like, you need a little mix of both. But again, it's like whatever you need in your own life. Like I know a lot of people that like have to be with that family all the time and that's all they know. That's funny. As long as they're they're far enough away that they have to call for, it's all good. Yeah, they can't just like pop on over. (laughs) Well, I feel like all in all, it's like every conversation that we've had today is really goes back to like empowering women, empowering the next generation, like letting women have their own voice. Um, So I'm just like very grateful and super excited for our listeners to hear this conversation because I feel like it's so needed. Well, thank you. This has been a super fun conversation. And I like, you're both on the screen in front of me. So it's been like we're in person. So That's what we like it it to be. Yeah, Yeah. we like it to be like we're all sitting around having a cup of coffee together. I love it. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you guys letting me come on the show and share my my stuff. So tell our listeners where they can find the book, where they can listen to the podcast, how they can connect with you in all of the ways. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Podcast is Gold with Jeanette Schneider. I'm on Instagram a lot at ms.jeanetteschneider and the website is jeanetteschneider.com. Awesome.
Well, thanks to Jeanette for coming on and having such a powerful conversation. We hope that you think about purchasing her book or following any of her other platforms. And overall, coming out of this conversation with the willingness and the confidence to share your own voice and also influence our younger generations because that's what really matters if we want to make social change in this world. Absolutely. And don't forget, if you want great content on a weekly basis to see more about what we're doing on the podcast and elsewhere in the Insta world, you can find us at Finding Your Shine Podcast on Instagram or personally at Liz Garster and at Nourish Rafina. And we would love to continue the conversations gleaned from the podcast on those platforms for you. Absolutely. Well, we will talk to you next week. That's all we got for you now. Bye.